Welcome back to The Evolution. My name is Jeff Bayless. I'm your host. I uh, facilitate this uh, humble project in an effort to be of service to you. Uh, today, my guest is uh, a very special guest. Uh, some of you, it may shock you, his story. Some of you, well, all of you, my hope is that it will inspire you. Uh, it is my personal belief that uh, you know we, we are all in the arena. Uh, just by the mere fact that you're a human being means you're going to have some form of adversity in your life. And uh, my friend here today has had a, had a lot of adversity uh, that he's been able to work through and uh, triumph, triumph over. Uh, you know, and it, everybody deserves a road to redemption. Uh, so please listen to a story with a, with a, a humble heart and an open mind. Uh, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. I've, I've gotten a lot out of uh, talking to him uh, and catching up over the years. It's been a while since we've communicated. Uh, so my friend, uh, Chamar Perry, he's a, he's a life coach. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, he's a Navy vet, a former boss mate, and uh, also a fellow Texan. So, hey, brother, I appreciate you coming on and spending some time with me today. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> man, it's an honor. Seriously, it really is. Yeah, cool, man. I, I, you know, that, that's what this whole project is about, to give, uh, give people a platform to help others, you know, and I, I think your story can do that. So, you know, what, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, just kind of your background, where you came from. Uh, God bless Texas, so we could probably start there, right? Hey, amen to that, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am originally from Houston or a small town in Houston, Webster, Texas, uh, from the suburbs of Houston. Grew up in the uh, Clear Lake area. Uh, you're probably familiar. Went to Clear Lake High School. Um, graduated, actually, from an alternative school in that school district uh high school for me was kind of like i don't know i didn't really fit in i wasn't one of those kids that fit in with the with the popular kids in clear lake i didn't have the the fancy cars and the expensive clothes and the jordans and stuff like that so uh, i chose a different route i went to a school that stuck to strictly academics there were no sports or anything like that i just wanted to graduate high school uh so that way i can move on and actually join the Navy. Uh, so after graduation, pretty much I joined, I graduated in May. I went to boot camp July 13th of 2000. Um, spent, or right after boot camp, I was actually on leave when the USS Cole got bombed. Wow. And uh, yeah. yeah, I was on leave out of boot camp when that happened. And uh, from there, flew out to my first ship, uh, the USS Anchorage. Back in 2000, they were, they had just left uh, Australia. Um, whenever I got there, got there, they were on, uh, in the Tarawa battle group uh, back then. Uh, went, so that was my first deployment, did three deployments there. Um, well, start, let's, let's back okay. up a little bit. So, okay. you know, in, before you joined the Navy, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, we had talked a little bit about this before, but, you know, you had listened to my podcast about the mask and masculinity. And, yes, sir. You know, as you said, you, uh, well, for those of you that haven't listened to that one, you know, basically uh, my, my philosophy is that a lot of us wear this mask and masculinity and, you know, it's really just to, to hide our own issues, right? Uh, or a lot, a lot of men anyway. And so... I know for you, you know, you were saying you didn't play a lot of sports. I know in Texas, if you don't play high, you know, football track or basketball or baseball, 
you know, <laughs> it's, it's hard to fit in. For me, it was definitely football. Um, oh, man. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about that, like the parental unit situation. Uh, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of went back on that. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, so parental situation, like, I mean, it was just me and my mom. I was raised by my mom. Uh, my dad was in my life, just didn't really, wasn't, I didn't live with him. I never lived with my father. I uh, only got to visit him like during the summer and on Thanksgiving breaks. But uh, even during those times, like I have two half brothers uh, by my stepmom. Um, so once my dad had those, my, my first brother, Jeremy, I never really stayed with him because him and my brother's mom were not together after he was born. And so I would like pretty much stay with her because she had my brothers. <laughs> so that, I mean, so you that felt, was, did you feel like an abandonment issue or a lack of, uh, it was, you know, the masculinity even, role or what was, wow. How do you, well, do as you far as the that? masculinity role, like he wasn't there that often. So I didn't have that. I didn't have that in my life hmm. because like when I wasn't in Dallas, you know, I was here with my mom and the only, I guess, male figures that I had were my cousins. Hmm. And okay. I mean, they're, uh, they're older than me, but not, you know, old enough. Like, I mean, they're the guys that I played with, you know, they're five, eight years older than me. Uh, not actually men to like follow. I mean, they did play sports, but even growing up, like with all my cousins being so athletic, I wasn't that guy. Like, right. <laughs> never had been. Do you think if you had had that uh, mentorship or, you know, that, that father role in your life that you would have been, or this was just innate in you? Um, uh, I think, I mean, I mean, anything's definitely possible because I did play football one year. I played in uh, junior high and I enjoyed playing, but not, I guess, not growing up playing football. Like mm -hmm. a lot of my other cousins did like playing peewee football and understanding the game. It just didn't make that much sense to me when I got to play. So it wasn't like, it was cool to play, but I was just like, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't really get this. Yeah. It's just there, but there's no there there. <laughs> right. I mean, because right. I didn't start. I mean, literally the first time like I had ever really played a football game was in seventh grade. Yeah. Like, didn't go outside and play like flag football or anything when I was younger. And like so what inspired you to join the Navy then? Oh, man. Okay. This is a <laughs> funny story. <laughs> so my mom actually gave me two options when I was growing up. Or, but when it came time for me to graduate, she was like, you're either going to a university or you're joining the military. You're not staying in my house. Like, you're not going to a junior college. You can't go to San Jack or whatever community college is out here. Like, you've got to go either to a four-year university or the military. So I was actually in the delayed entry program with the Air Force prior to joining the Navy, obviously. So... Um, Whenever I had went to MEPS, I told them that I had a ticket because I got a speeding ticket. I was like 18 <laughs> or 17 and I got a speeding ticket or whatever, you know, driving fast. I thought it was cool. So I told them that when I went to process for the Air Force to swear in. And so obviously, if you have any open civil, you can't join the military, even with a speeding ticket. So I had to get that taken care of. So I didn't end up swearing into the late entry program for the Air Force. About a week later, 
I went to the Navy recruiter's office with one of my buddies that was in the light entry program because he had to go check in. Mm-hmm. And my recruiter sat me down and was started asking me a bunch of questions. I was like, okay. And he was like, hey, what if I can get you a $2,000 bonus? And a 17-year-old that just heard $2,000? Yeah, right. I thought I had one. I thought he was, I thought this dude just like let me win the lottery. Hell yeah. yeah. I was like, dude. He's like, have you sworn in with the Air Force? I was like, no, not yet. He's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> Shady recruiters, man. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it was funny, man. I mean, so that's how I ended up joining the Navy, uh, becoming a bosun's mate. Um, if I can go there next. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, my uh, recruiter in charge, actually, not my personal recruiter, but the recruiter in charge that I always checked in with, uh, he was a bosun's mate. Big six foot black dude, wore glasses. He seemed pretty hardcore to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was cool. Right. And I was like, okay, so what do you do? And I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, well, the whole time I was in boot camp, I, I would read the Blue Jackets menu. And I would read all the job descriptions. And my female RDC was a boss's mate. Crazy. I'll never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> BM2 Mitchell, man, I'm telling you, like, she was awesome. She, she was a beast, though. I remember one time I said, nah, to her. She asked me a question. I said, no, nah, petty officer. And she said, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. And she said, uh, she was like, eight counts till I'm tired. And like, she literally like sat down and boy, <laughs> she beat me pretty bad that day. It was, it was, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so every time I read like, you know, all the different rates and all the stuff, and man, it was just the bosun's mate rate. It stood out to me. And I was like, okay, this sounds like something I can do. Sounds kind of hardcore. Like you're leading people. You get to learn like all the, the Marlin Spike seamanship, all that kind of stuff. And that's something I had never done before. Something I'd never experienced. I'm like, all right, cool. So. And so I, I know we had talked a little bit before uh, and then it's still kind of on that same mm-hmm. thread of uh, the mask and masculinity, but you had some trauma, right? right that, um, you know, prior to joining the Navy, you had some trauma that might have swayed that decision or no? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I can say uh, I have, I was molested as a child. Yeah. By people that I'm really close with. I'm not going to say any names or. No, that's fine. How yeah. relation, but yeah, absolutely. But men. By males, by males. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, that, I, that I was really close to. Absolutely. And so do you think maybe, I don't want to project onto you because, uh, you know, this <clears throat> no? certainly. Okay. And so I'm going to say, or actually go ahead, ask your question. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you think that maybe because of um, that at that time that you tried to pick a job that was, you know, instead of taking that option and saying, okay, I can go to a four-year college because mom said, these are the two COAs, right? There's two courses of action for me is I can mm-hmm. go to college, I can do this four-year degree, or I can go do this like extremely, you know, arduous and it's, it's definitely getting more diverse and that's a good thing. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, probably in 99 or 2000, it was mostly men, right? Or definitely, yeah. definitely previous. I mean, the first ship I went on was all male. So, I, yeah, I was going to say the same. My first two ships were all male. So, yeah, the, the Stockdale, when we get there, like that's that was completely new for me. Yeah. Yeah. The, the entire the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, and that whole environment of pre-commissioning a ship too. But, oh yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. so there is, there is basically uh, this underlying theme of, you know, you had this uh, no male role model, like your, your father was kind of in the, in the foreground, right? He wasn't really right. necessarily prevalent in your life as a mentor. Right. And then you had this molestation that happened by men. And then you joined the Navy and choose at the time, probably the most arduous job instead of like just short of being in like spec war or something like MSW, you know, it's probably the most, one of the most hardcore jobs in the Navy. Pretty much doing force protection for the coal at 18, not knowing what the hell's really going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that was pretty arduous. Yeah. Getting two, three hours of sleep a night, just getting to the ship. Oh yeah. It was great. But it, I loved every minute of it. Wouldn't change it for the world. And so you do pretty well in the Navy. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you can give us a quick rundown on that and catch us up to Stockdale because that's where I come into the picture. But Cool. Perfect. I'll give you that quick rundown. Yeah. So I uh, USS Anchorage from 2000, 2003, I decommissioned that ship in 2003. From there, I went to the USS Dubuque, LPD-8. Oh, yeah, the Anchorage, by the way, because there's a new one. It's mm -hmm. LSD-36, the original in its class. Yeah. Uh, first in its class, actually, and last to decommission. Um, and then, the, yeah, so from there, I went to the USS Dubuque, LPD-8. Um, from there, I went recruiting. Made second class, or yeah, made E5, made BM2 prior to leaving the Anchorage. Went recruiting. recruiting in Houston. Yes, went recruiting here in Houston. I was a recruiter in Baytown. I, and then I ran, I was the recruiter in charge of the recruiting station downtown Houston, where actually on the first floor where MEPS, the processing station, actually is in that old post office building. Hmm. Um, I ran that station for about a year and a half. Um, and from that, um, my success on recruiting, I was actually meritoriously advanced capped or what they now call R-capped. Um, to first class. Um, so I had passed the exam. I just did not advance, but uh, I was actually meritoriously advanced. Like I said, I capped to first class and then ended up talking to a uh, good old Boson Dooley, <laughs> our, uh, our detailer, um, about some orders. And he told me about the pre-com and I was like, absolutely. It sounds like something else I can go, you know, be really successful at. I've already, I had a successful recruiting tour. I left, I, I met my goal because I told myself I wasn't going to reenlist if I made, if I didn't make E6, whether it was a cap or off the exam. So I made that goal. One of my buddies actually, uh, he uh, pre-commed the, the Dewey, I think. Mm -hmm. um, um, and he was like, man, pre-coms are awesome. I'm like, this is great. And you're going to love a DDG. And mind you, I was speaking to an electrician that knows nothing about being a bosun's mate. And well, to, that, to explain for people that don't know, so, I mean, there are probably oh, people yeah. in the Navy, too, that don't Absolutely. even know. Uh, yeah, so sure. a pre-commissioning unit is basically you're going to go to a building mm -hmm. and uh, gather the personnel, go to school, write the instructions, do all the admin required to get a ship put together. Then you go out to the ship later, uh, either in, you know, Pascagoula, Mississippi, or Bath, Maine, kind of live in some barracks, uh, until the ship's ready to be boarded, then you, you know, with the contractors building the ship, you load the ship and 
you know, then it becomes extremely arduous from there. It's super busy. Like you got to go through a training cycle. And, uh, so it's a lot of downtime and then a lot of hurry up <laughs> op tempo. Uh, yeah. so basically what that means, you know, you're, you're starting from ground zero on a brand new ship. Yep. Yeah. So you'd heard it was good duty and you, you selected orders. Uh, did you know that there was going to be two other first class boatmates mates on that ship when you took orders? Um, I want to say yes, because I, I, I don't ever remember, I mean, you or Steph being a surprise. I mean, I, I mean, I knew, like, I, I remember reaching out to you guys. Yeah. Um, actually, no, wait. I took orders last. You, yeah. wait, you, were, were you already a first when you took orders? No, I was a second like, class. Okay, that's, that's what it was. That's why, too. That's another thing. Yeah, because yeah, I was already a first class when I took the orders and you, you had it. Yeah, that's what no, I thought. I, I was like, wait. I called the detailer. I was super cocky. I was like, yeah, I'm going to make first class. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I was like, don't send me that shit if, if you're going to put me in the paint locker as a first class because I'm not going. That's, that's a true story, man. I'm not, no, I'm not, I know it is. I'm not proud of I'm that. Laughing. That's hubris. Yeah, but that is what I It's who you yeah. were. Yeah. And like, you know what? This is what's great about it now. Because you are <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Is us being able to talk about that and laugh about it, man. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I called that chief and I was like, hey, man, so I'm going to make first class. So don't, don't, don't have me come there if you're not going to put me to work. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so you reported to the unit in San Diego from Houston, right? Yes. And you're single um, all this time, right? So no family, no relationship? Um, okay, so I was engaged actually at this time because I had actually gotten engaged because I was dating uh, the person who's now my ex-wife. I was dating her pretty much almost the entire time I was on recruiting duty. So uh, before I left, I ended up getting engaged and we got married in March of 2008. So after I had already reported to the debt in San Diego. So I'm going to ask you a hard question here. Um, you know, I know now, uh, I did not know then, and you always knew, or at some point you knew, and I'd like to find out when that was. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people would be curious. Right. Like, when did you explore your sexuality and when did that become a reality for you, uh, what your sexuality is? Okay. So bisexual, um, I'll go ahead and say that. Oh, man. And I can honestly tell you, like, the first time that I explored, like, my curiosity, aside from, like, outside of what we spoke about earlier about me being molested, but Mm -hmm. outside of that, I actually explored with, uh, (laughs) wow, (laughs) a friend of mine that I played football with in junior high. Oh, wow. That's super young. Yeah. Okay. That was the first time. But then it stopped for a while or it continued um, on? Yeah. Uh, stopped there. Um, let's see here. Were you kind of like trying to suppress those feelings because you didn't think they were normal or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. I thought it was weird. I, I mean, <laughs> sometimes I still do think so. But no. I mean, that's just something that, I mean, I know it's not. I mean, it is yeah. what it is. Right. But, uh, you know. Um. So Let's see. around okay. junior high, you kind of knew something was up, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it wasn't—it wasn't just a one-time thing. Like, I mean, 
we were like really good friends, but like I would spend the night and we would like mess around. Completely <laughs> consensual and all like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then did your wife, did she know that you had interest with men as well? Or Absolutely. So with her, <laughs> I actually met her through like one of my friends that is like gay, like full on gay. Okay. I'm, while I was on the group, like I actually met her. We the first night we actually met, we all went out to a gay club here in Houston. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think it's it's also important to put uh, this into context. Absolutely. Those that are outside the military, you know, during this time, uh, I think it was 2011, because mm-hmm. I was in uh, officer, uh, I was in LDO CWO school when this happened. The don't ask, don't tell policy from Clinton was repealed by president barack obama and so up until this point you know this would be something that would get you kicked out of the navy right like uh, yeah you know if if it was confirmed in some way shape or form that you are not heterosexual i mean whatever that looks like for you <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you could be yeah. you, could, you could potentially be processed out of the military right so mm-hmm. so there's just another factor of why you would have to suppress it right yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. So she knew about it um, or knew that you were curious, but then you guys in, in your relationship, you decided you were going to be monogamous? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so then you guys moved out to San Diego together engaged. Is that how that so worked? So actually, so uh, I actually came out first. Uh, she never actually moved to San Diego. Oh, okay. Um, uh, she did come out there for a while but she never completely like moved everything out to san diego okay um so yeah we got married i can actually i had went home i think um yeah obviously in march uh from the debt we went uh went we got married i came back and then uh after maine once we uh came back from maine i had ended up that's when she was supposed to like move like permanently. Uh, so I ended up getting Navy housing, stayed there for a little bit. She didn't end up moving permanently. She did come out and visit for a little bit, but then, uh, so I ended up moving out and uh, getting an apartment uh, with a, getting a roommate, one of my buddies that I knew from a previous command uh, was looking for a roommate at the same time. And it just worked out. So, I mean, would it be fair to say that, you know, that, that relationship was kind of strained anyway. Yeah. That relationship was pretty much done when, we, when she didn't like come back to San Diego permanently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at that time, I mean, both of us hit, I'm going to go ahead and say, I, know I might be skipping some things, but both of us had already cheated. Sure. Um, by this time. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. All right. So we get to the Stockdale, which is in Maine. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. you know, the idea from senior leadership of a pre-commissioning unit is that, uh, you know, everybody's working really hard. It's arduous. We're getting the ship ready to go. Uh, from a sailor's perspective, definitely not in senior leadership. There's also a lot of downtime. And I think, you know, for me, I started running, uh, around that time, actually 2007 is when I started. I mean, I definitely did my fair share of, uh, having fun. But, you know, 
Oh, yeah. this, this was a time we all lived in the same barracks. Uh, mm-hmm. And so describe what that looked like for you and what, uh, you know, the party scene looked like, alcohol, you know, stuff like that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the party scene and alcohol. I mean, that, 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 was, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, there were times in the barracks, bro, like I, there was one day that I think I was late. And uh, it came like literally banging on my door because I had gone through a bottle of Sailor Jerry's. Do you remember that? I mean, I, I think I remember that more than once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that that one time where actually like where somebody actually had to come to my room and wake me up because I was like, yeah, it was like 11 o'clock. Sure. Like, and oh, and yeah. we were worried. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. we hadn't heard from that you at one, all. I mean, that only, yeah, that happened once like with me, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it happened more than once, but yeah, I was like, wow. I mean, boy, like, yeah, that's what the party scene. I mean, all, obviously, all the first classes <laughs> we, yeah. we used to hang out there, go to each other's rooms, have drinks, liquor, beer, whatever. Go out, go out to the clubs. I remember one time we went out to the club, and I was so sloppy, like I tripped on the cobblestone <laughs> and sprained my ankle. Oh, as my yeah. ankle was all swollen and stuff. Oh man, right before the PRT too. <laughs> Did you think that uh so like when I look at times in the past when I look mm-hmm. at how other people were partying, how I was partying, you know, would you say this is a time when you kind of developed a, a you know, a dependence uh, on alcohol or I yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean cuz I was I mean we were drinking I mean shit. It's I I was drinking anytime I could. Yeah. There wasn't a time where I'm just like, oh, I, not that I remember. Where I was like, oh, no, I don't, no, I'm good. Or like I'm, just have a few beers, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, I want to drink this whole bottle of Sailor Jerry. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that like, I mean, I and didn't end up doing that again because I did that like by myself and I don't know what the hell I was going through. I remember you even asking me that day, like, dude, what, what were you going through? Yeah. Like, like is something going on? Yeah. Like, are you okay? Like, yeah. And I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it was something. Yeah. Well, and so in this time, I guess you develop some relationships, right? With absolutely. And we're not going to say any names, but there were right. definitely there were definitely environments, right, that we've discussed before the podcast, where you kind of mm-hmm. said that you know guys would spend the night, or yes, yeah. And so what did that look like? And please be careful to protect their privacy. But absolutely. So. I mean, obviously there's, oh wow, (laughs) there's someone, there's one junior person uh, that was male that uh, I mentored, if -hmm. you will. Like, I mean, yeah, I was his mentor, uh, but I also had a crush on him. Not going to lie, just going to tell that like it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would flirt. He would flirt back. Never, um, never really thought anything of it. Uh, in Maine, like I don't remember exactly, so you might want to refresh my memory. But I know that there was a time where, where we weren't all staying in the barracks, and we had to go rent those rooms. So I used yeah. to do that. I think when we were all, I'm assuming we were all back on the ship because I was if we weren't in the barracks, then we were on the ship. So that's right. So what happens I, is it was it was crew move aboard. So after uh, you know. The, after the construction is done, there's crew move aboard and then LOA and crew cert and doc trials and all these like events happen on the ship. So 
we had, we had already conducted crew move aboard. And so, but we had Liberty, right? So we didn't have homes to go home to. So people would go stay in hotels or go back to the barracks and stuff like that. But you had to pay for it out of your own pocket at that point because you had a rack on the ship. Right. Yeah. So uh, to get off the ship, like when I wanted to, I would go get a room at the barracks. Which and was pretty common. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would all do it. Um, and I would always get a single room, like a king size room. Cause you, when we were in the barracks, you know, we, the first classes, all of us, we had our own rooms, but then there were people, you know, some junior guys that had to share rooms. So there were double beds in some of the rooms, mm-hmm. but anyhow, I always got a king size, uh, a single room, king size bed or whatever. And, uh, the same person that I was mentioning, um, would spend the night in my barracks room whenever I would get one. Sleep yeah. in the same bed, no issues, not, nothing like that. Um, we never really messed around. Um, I'm not gonna say we really spooned, but we would be close in, close to each other, yeah. close enough, you know? Uh, and literally, it would we would just sleep. Like there was no no messing around or anything like that at this point. Right. And so eventually, you know, that's kind of how it maintained through your time in Maine or? Yeah, in Maine. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So then we come back to San Diego. Uh, we sail the ship around, right? And then, yes. And then how does, I mean, I'll just say from professionally, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think you took a dip in uh, performance um, you know, but personally, I guess, as you described, you mm-hmm. know, some things started changing for you once right. we got back to San Diego. Right. Yeah. So what yeah. did that look like personally? Okay. So personally, wow. Um, at that time, so I had believed my wife or ex-wife now to have been pregnant while we were in Maine. Um, we come back to San Diego, um, I remember, oh man, I remember like when we came back to San Diego, I remember like her telling me that she had lost the baby or whatever. And then the BMC that we had at the time told me that I couldn't go on leave because we had to do absurd or something like that. And like, I kind of lost it because, and I mean, the story changes, but at this point in time, I was just told that I lost a child. And so I didn't really know how to respond besides to just walk away from him when he told me at quarters in front of everyone that I can't go on emergency leave because I have to land a helicopter. And I was like, wow. And I I literally, like I was, I was puzzled. I I, I was just like, you know, I'm just going to walk away. So I walked off. I I, I don't know if you remember that, but uh, um, that story right there, um, wow, it gets crazier because it ends up, and I, I didn't tell you this, but uh, I don't have proof that, it, that it's not true, but I don't have proof that it was true. So I, I honestly believe that my ex-wife lied about being pregnant. Oh, yeah. Because whenever I got home, like, it was like nothing happened. And I remember when we were dating, when I was on recruiting duty, like, she had gotten pregnant then when we dated and her dad called me 
and told me how he had, because she had a miscarriage, like in her house, like in her dad's house. And her dad had to literally like pick her up off the floor and like take her to the hospital. Like I remember, like that was crazy, okay? And like this time, there was no like emotion at all. Like my mom had told me she had gone out with a family member like the day after this happened, she says. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, this isn't making sense, dad. Were you more disappointed that you weren't going to be a father or were you more uh, Honestly, angry no. at her for lying to you? I think, I think once I found out, I was just more upset about the, the lie. Like yeah. that, I mean, I'm okay. I'm still okay with not being a father. <laughs> like I'm, I'm completely okay with that. Yeah. That's a whole nother life to take care of, man. And I'm st- still taking care of me. So. so then I guess with all that turmoil, you guys ended up splitting? Yeah, um, we ended up, uh, I mean, yeah, we ended up separating uh, shortly after that, really. I mean, after I had come home on, after I had come back from leave, um, like things had taken a turn for like, not the, for the worst. I mean, when I say the worst, I mean, we weren't like fighting or arguing. We just really stopped communicating. Yeah. And then is and, that, a, is that uh, around uh, the time when maybe... I don't know. So obviously you weren't drinking that much during sail around or partying or anything like that. Well, I mean, I guess we all kind of did on Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. On Liberty. But it would appear to me that maybe you kind of had things under control between Maine and San Diego. But then when this happened, did it kind of mm-hmm. escalate for you or? How I would say so. Cause I do remember, I mean, I've been thinking a lot like since we've talked and like trying to think of other things that have happened in between that I can kind of fill in. Um, I do remember like before I even moved out of housing, like I was, um drinking a lot like i remember having some brandy and just like not really wanting to drink but literally like feeling that i needed to just to feel normal yeah it's funny uh i I think i've shared this in another interview but uh a guy that i follow i've read all his books uh misko shabali he talks about uh you know being an alcoholic is convincing yourself you like being drunk (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it really is yeah it's like you're you're trying to convince yourself that you actually enjoy being out of control uh, yeah and it's not true because you don't or waking up in your own pee or vomit or <laughs> oh wow yeah that's horrible so anyway it, it kind of escalated for you but what did what did your uh what did your personal life look like after that then so you guys separate i, I yeah we get divorced uh, um so- we didn't yeah we actually didn't even get divorced until shoot a couple of years after i actually was discharged from the military. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. So what that looked like for me, um, I uh, just started doing what I wanted to do, if you will. Um, and when I say that, I mean like sexually, like I didn't care anymore. Right. And I was just flirting with any and everyone. Almost like not everyone, but I just, I was a little bit more carefree about, who I flirted with and things like that, who I invited over, things that I did, that kind of stuff. So what did, I mean, what did you guys do? I mean, who did you have? Well, don't say who, but uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what did that look like? So you would invite people over to your house for. I, uh, I mean, I would have, so I'll say this. So there were a couple of guys that I mentored. I, there were a group of guys that I mentored, but a, one of them actually, I did mess around with a couple of times. 
-hmm. once on sail around and then another time uh at my house like in san diego when i was living in navy housing and that was consensual yeah that was very consensual absolutely yeah so uh one time in is that it was actually in mexico uh during sail around was the first time that this person and i messed around um and then again in in san diego uh once we were uh yeah back and we were at, at my house when this happened but then there were i mean obviously so at some point you know i'll just i'll, I'll go ahead and share from my perspective like eventually you okay. find out that there's so from my perspective i, I made chief um and so now you and the other first class work for me, but mm-hmm. this is, this is the thing about Naval leadership is they kind of thrust you in this position and give you like six weeks of training and then tell you you're ready for the job. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just not how it yeah. works, you know? Uh, so I didn't, I didn't really understand, but I did know uh, that there was, you know, something going on with you uh, mm-hmm. that there was a report, uh, you know, that you needed to go talk to, I guess it was NCIS. Uh, in regards to, you know, sexual assault allegation. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from my perspective, I was like, shoot, you know, restrict report. I'm not getting involved. And that, that is the right move actually. Uh, you know, when it's, when it's a report like that from a leader's Absolutely. perspective, there's nothing you can do. Like it's not, I'm going to get Absolutely. in here and try to figure out everything. But I can tell you from, for most people's perspective that were on the ship at that time, we didn't have a lot of details. We all we heard was a lot of rumors. You know, mm-hmm. even though like you and I would talk later, we certainly didn't discuss the details of the case. You know what I mean? Like we right. never we never discussed it because I gave you your last eval. I think I packed a few things out of your rack as you were leaving mm-hmm. the ship. So um, I guess my question would be as carefully as you can to not Absolutely. you know to protect other people's privacy. Just kind of explain how it ended up that you got charged with this uh, sexual assault allegation and what your, what your perspective is uh, prior to eventually getting convicted. Right. Okay. So I honestly don't even know how any of the investigation started. There were a lot of allegations uh, against me saying that I sexually harassed multiple uh, guys that I mentored. Okay. Um, and there, there was a, a decent group of guys. A lot of them, um, worked together. Uh, and some of them didn't, but, um, uh, with the charge that I got, um, that one happened. Well, what was the, the actual, what was the actual charge? Oh, okay. So it was, um, so basically there were, there were several allegations that right. were unsubstantiated, but one charge was substantiated. And what mm-hmm. was that charge? And that it was uh, sodomy. Okay. And and I'll go ahead and because of that, like I'll go ahead and talk about this because sure. in my mind I didn't and I was very ignorant at the at that point in time when I when I was told what I was being charged with and they said sodomy I laughed because I was like I haven't physically had sex with any of these guys like n- there was no like penetration mm-hmm. between any of us right there was there was messing around and then there was me uh, performing oral sex on one person. And that's what, and 
and because it wasn't consensual because he was asleep when it happened mm-hmm. that's why i was charged with that because at that time he was not a consenting adult he was asleep when and, i and performed was, oral sex yeah and you both were under the influence of alcohol correct so I, I got to ask you, man, or people mm-hmm. will think I let you off the hook, you know. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Absolutely. Do you regret that now? Was it a wrong decision? Wow. Oh, man. I've had a lot of time to think, and I'm not – okay. I have to say this carefully because I don't want people to misunderstand or misconstrue what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I have no regrets in life. Right. Do I wish I'd do things differently? Sometimes, absolutely. Did I intentionally mean to hurt or harm anyone? Absolutely not. Would right. I do things differently if I could go back and do it again? Yes, 110%. Yeah. But do I regret what happened, any of the process or anything of where I'm at now? No, because if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. And I'm wow. grateful for where I'm at. And because of that, it's li- literally helped me, like, I mean really become a whole new person. I'm nowhere near the guy that I was back then. Yeah. You know, I, I totally relate to that because I've personally made a lot of mistakes. I mean, not the same mistakes you have, uh, but I don't know. It's kind of like sin. Is there one sin that's worse than another? You know, Absolutely. I think that it's really easy to uh, cast judgment on someone that has made a mistake when you've not had any hardship in your in your own life, right? Um, right. But, you know, Marcus Aurelius says the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. I think everything you just said kind of hits that nail on the head. You know, although you may have done things differently, you can't necessarily regret it because it made you the human being you are now and you have yeah, to wherewithal. You know, the obstacle becomes the way. Like, because of that hardship or that experience that was somewhat self-inflicted, right, you've learned some great lessons and been able to help people going forward, right? Absolutely. And so here, let me, let me actually continue on that because, and here's mm-hmm. one big thing for me, drinking. I don't drink today mm-hmm. because I went to the brig and my mind is strong enough to put alcohol down. Yeah. Okay. Because I, oh, believe me, I drank when I got out of the brig, but oh, I don't yeah. drink today. Hmm. Like when I was, after I got out of the brig, bro, I was back to being a fish. Like, oh Yeah going to the bar every night. I was doing it all over again. Yeah. But because I had that 10 months and I know I'm getting in a little ahead of the story, but I had those 10 months in the brig, like that I literally, I couldn't smoke cigarettes because I smoke cigarettes, which I don't do anymore either. I'm not even using nicotine now. That's another thing. Like I don't drink. If I do drink, I will have a beer. If I go somewhere, Mm -hmm. if I go out with a group of friends, cool. Sure. Um, don't smoke cigarettes anymore. I was vaping for a while, like nicotine. I don't use nicotine anymore. It's been a month. I mean, that's more recent, but I mean, I've, I stopped drinking like regularly about three years ago. If you and could... I don't even have the urge to, to do it. And I just, but I understand cause I know how strong that is. Cause yeah. I'll tell you some more about, cause I know you're going to ask me some questions here about my time in the brig, but I'll explain mm-hmm like how bad that was, like letting go of alcohol. But go ahead. What was your question? If you could, uh, if you could look at yourself uh, mm-hmm. at that time, 
and, and tell yourself something that would be, you know, of use to you then that you know now, what would that be? Like, you know, you could look at Jamar back before he made that decision, you know, that ended up getting you convicted, ended up getting you in the brig, and ended up getting you a dishonorable discharge. What would that advice be? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be – this is just honestly me being funny. Keep your mouth closed. But, I mean, that's just my comic relief, <laughs> literally. <laughs> like, dude, shut your mouth. Like, keep your mouth closed, please. <laughs> uh, but, uh, man, what – oh, my goodness. You know, so, like, I, I'll give you, you – know, Okay, honestly, the first thing that I'm going to think of, and I'm, this is going to be honest, like, this is straight up. The first thing that I think of is this wasn't your, your first command. And I'll explain that. Mm -hmm. This wasn't your first command. That's because, oh man. Okay. I'm going to get it. I'm going to just go ahead and tell that story mm -hmm. on the anchorage on my first ship. And I can say it, the ship's decommed and I don't know who's going to listen to this, but there was a lot of messing around between the crew on that, on that ship. Oh, a lot. Bro, I've done some, I've messed around on the bridge on the midwatch with an OS. Oh, okay. Like at the quartermaster table. So this was kind of like a learned behavior of acceptable like, norm for you. This was a way of life on deployment on the anchorage. Interesting. And that was an all male ship. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. So that's where that, and I went to, um, seriously, I'm not even gonna lie. Like I went back to the fleet thinking with the head in my pants, literally. Interesting. Like, oh, this is going to be fun. Huh. Yeah, it's funny too, Ben, because um, I'll be honest, like my brother uh, is gay and I've, I've got lots of gay friends and I, I guess that doesn't mean that I would pick up on if somebody had, you know, bisexual tendencies or, mm -hmm. you know, or, or identified transgender, or, you know, any of that stuff. Like, I don't know that, it qualified like nothing qualifies anyone to you know <laughs> yeah to, yeah to, to have that uh that radar right um but man I, I don't think anybody like at the time i don't think anybody would have thought that you were of that mindset that you whether you were uh bisexual or not that that didn't register with me but also that that mindset of like this is how the fleet is that we just you know, we think with our, with our head, right? Yeah. <laughs> with our yeah. Head and our pants, right? And I'm not even saying that, that, no, cause that's not how the fleet is. That's just the mindset that I went right. back to the ship with. Like, yeah, it was, I was like, man, cause I'm I guess what I'm saying is I didn't know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think that other people knew that. Like, mm -hmm. right. So another hard question for you. Uh, mm -hmm. If you could talk to that person, uh, which you may or may not ever get the opportunity to do. Uh, you know, the person that you ended up getting convicted for the sexual assault, what would you tell him? Man, I'm so glad you asked me that question. Literally, like, I apologize for what I did. I feel, like, honestly, like, to me, it was disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm not, I don't use alcohol as justification. I felt the way I felt and I knew for a fact that you were straight and I apologize. 
Um, I know me saying I'm sorry doesn't mean like I'm sometimes to me, apologies don't mean anything, but Hey, uh, all I can say is I've learned from my mistakes. Yeah. And that I will never put another human being through what I put you through. Yeah, that's powerful. And I never have since, and I have not since I've made that mistake. Never done what I did ever again. Yeah. And that's something that I've had done to me and that I've done multiple times. Yeah, right. Yeah. It happened to you. And they say like, I don't know what the statistics is, but they say that, um, you know, an overwhelming majority of men that have been sexually abused will, or an overwhelming majority of men that sexually abuse mm-hmm. other men have been sexually abused themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so have you forgiven yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. And what? And I think this right here proves that because it's taken me this long to actually talk about this and like literally like let all of this out. And the great thing about it is it's, it's out there for, for the people to hear. Like that's what I really love about it. And that I've actually grown into being able to being comfortable with having this conversation with you. Yeah, man. No, I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I respect you for, you know, having the, you know, first of all, the self-awareness, um, you know, to work through your own stuff. And then also, I think it's very important. Uh, obviously you've seen what I've gone through and what I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's a way to go through anything. And I don't think denial helps anyone. I think you take that darkness and you bring it into the light. And then, you know, that that's the only way, you know, if, if you just stayed in the shadows the whole time and don't bring any of this into the light, then there's no growth for yourself or for anyone else. Absolutely. So, you know, I applaud you for having the guts, you know, it takes a lot of bravery, a lot of courage uh, to share. Uh, And and honestly, just to have a humility to admit when you were wrong, you know, like to admit, Hey, you know what? That's the only way you're going to learn. That's the only way you're going to learn from your mistakes is if you can first have that first step of self-awareness and say, Hey, you know, I messed up. I made a mistake. And you know, I'm sorry for those I wronged. You know, it's kind of like an AA, uh, you know, it's, you know, part of the steps, right? You have to mm-hmm. make amends, you know, and keep your side of the street clean. So, absolutely. And so, man, it, it, honestly, I'm going to say this just because it, this is important to me, man. And it means a lot that I get to have this conversation with you. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just anybody, because I can have this conversation with somebody that knows nothing about any of this. And I can just tell this whole story and go into like other details and things like that. But like the fact that I get to have this conversation with you means a lot to me because you were there. Yeah. yeah. You know, no, and it means a lot I, to me too, man. I, I mean that, you know, I like, I appreciate it, man. Like, seriously, I, I hope you really, I hope you know that, like, especially like when we met at the well deck and no, I never did forget that when you said something about the well deck, like whenever, you met me like for the last time before I, I went uh, to the brig. Like I did not forget about that. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Um, and uh, oh man, there was one other thing I was going to say. Um, oh, here's what I was going to ask you. I was just going to say one thing that I, I would say, and this is just me being silly that I wish you would have done differently was told me what you told me after I had already talked to NCIS, which was 
I would have lawyered up. When you oh, walked yeah. in, you told me that at the well deck. And I was like, why the hell didn't you tell me this? When you walked <laughs> me to NCIS. <laughs> that is the only thing. I'm like, you couldn't have told me this when you walked me to like, dude, I went to NCIS thinking, like, this is a whole joke, bro. Oh, really? You didn't understand the severity oh, bro, of the situation? I had no idea the severity of this situation. Bro, every single time I went to the XO and I had to sign, like, a stay away from this person order, I laughed. Wow. I was like, These, what, what is going on here? Like, what is seriously happening? Yeah, and the whole time you never had any representation. I mean, besides my JAG. But yeah. not, I mean, and you know, she's just there to give me a deal, literally. Like, yeah, she's not. She doesn't care if I go home. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me how the um, how you're doing uh, as the process of going to court. So you went to court, Marshall, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how are you dealing with that? So now it's serious, right? Like, yeah. Okay. So. Things, oh man, things got crazy. Okay, so I found out, like, yes, I'm just going to court martial. And so during that time, like, and I'm TAD at this time, right? So I'm no longer on the Stockdale. I remember, like, yeah, I remember getting all the stuff off my rack. And <laughs> I even remember you telling me, you actually kind of told me a, a little lie. I was like, am I coming back? And you said, yeah. And this was before I talked to NCIS and all this other stuff. But when I took all this stuff off the shit, you're like, yeah, like you're just going TAD for a while. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Honestly, bro, I, I probably didn't know. I, I know you probably didn't. No, yeah. it was, it, that, that's what I'm talking about it now. Like, I, you yeah. probably didn't know. Hell, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, oh, man, that was funny. <laughs> I probably thought you were coming back, honestly. Like, I didn't yeah. know how it was going to work out. But now mm-hmm. now that I have a little more, you know, experience under my belt, I can tell you, you're definitely not coming back. I mean, <laughs> you, might, <laughs> you might meet the case and stay in the Navy and, you know, all well and oh. good, but you're definitely not coming back to this ship. Yeah. And you did say something earlier. It, it was a bad conduct, not a dishonorable discharge. Oh, I'm sorry. What's the it's difference? I I don't know, but I'm just <laughs> dishonor- like dishonorable. Like that's like, I don't know, man. That's, that's bad. Oh, okay. Like, okay. That's horrible. I just got a bad conduct. Okay. Like, thanks for correcting me. A bad me. conduct discharge. Yeah. I, dishonorable is like, I think like the worst of the worst. I did not get that. I didn't get okay. the big chicken dinner. I mean, yeah, I got kicked out, but my discharge isn't dishonorable because I did yeah. serve honorably. Like, and we'll get to that because you had two. Yeah. And so you were able mm-hmm. to keep your, keep your uh, GI bill, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Your benefits. Okay. Um, but yeah, back to where I was going. So after Stockdale, went TAD, um, Port Ops, San Diego. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Okay, cool. Um, drinking was literally out of control, like at this point, because I knew I was going to the brig. I didn't know for how long. I just knew my trial was coming up. And I knew like, like my marriage was already falling apart. She was cheating with someone that I was really close to, I'm not gonna say who that is, but really close to, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Man, and I just didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Like, I was just like, okay. <laughs> I thought my life was over. Literally, this is what I told my Jag. I was like, yeah, it's cool, fine. I'm losing my career, but I thought like, literally, I thought my life was over because of this. And yet the whole time you had no suicidal ideations, no, oh, no, no nah. drug use, it was just alcohol. 
No, it was just alcohol, bro. I wasn't. Yeah. yeah no, nah, I wasn't doing any drugs. Just, yeah. I mean, alcohol and cigarettes. That was it. Yeah. I mean, it got to the point where literally, like, I was waking up to go to work at Port Ops and finishing whatever liquor I didn't finish the night before. Wow. Before I went to work. It's amazing you didn't get a DUI, man. It's amazing that I'm alive. Yeah, that's right. Like, honestly, like literally, because I mean, I, I had high blood pressure. I wasn't on any medication and I was drinking a pretty much a fifth a night. Like Jesus. <laughs> and if you didn't drink a fifth, you'd finish it in the morning. Yeah. If I didn't finish, yeah. Whatever shots were left in the bottle, I'd, I'd wake up, like I'd take a shot. Like I, yeah, take at least two, two to three shots before I went to work in the morning at Port Ups. So you were definitely coming to work like lit. Drunk. Yeah. yeah. Drunk. Not hungover. Drunk. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so your time does expire and you know you're going to the brig. Uh, yeah. It seems like I remember driving your car for you somewhere, like for someone to get it or maybe in long Possibly. term parking. Yeah. Because you had that uh, that 300, right? That yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew like, I knew you knew you were going to the brig and this was after yeah. you'd been off the ship for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. So tell us how the, the brig experience was for you when you finally. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not even going to lie. Like I actually enjoyed the brig. Weird. It might be, but for me, I mean, it was kind of like boot camp, but like on deployment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Like, okay. So the brig for me, I, I worked so in get- the galley. You get processed in, so it, yeah. first of all, so you were a oh. first class petty officer, and they bust you Absolutely. down to like senior yeah. recruit, right? Yeah. So okay, court martial. Yeah, we we can start there actually. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Get, because that came before the brig. So the court martial that was uh, different. I mean, it was it was really real. Um, I kind of lost it. Uh, my mom wanted to come out there for the court martial. Um, told her not to because I didn't want to see. I didn't want her to see me uh, go to jail, get taken away in handcuffs. So there was no point in her flying out to San Diego for that. Um, But uh, she was there via phone. Um, And like, I actually kind of broke down and lost it whenever she was talking. I don't remember exactly what she said, but just hearing her voice made me lose it. Um, The trial was interesting. um, Seeing the, the person that, you know, that I apologize to, um, that I got convicted of uh, sexual assaulting. Uh, seeing him up there, literally, like, it hurt my heart. Yeah. Because I was closer to that person at, like, than I was anybody else on the ship. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I honestly felt closer to that person than I did anyone else on that ship. For well, or probably the- anybody else. Other than family, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, and so whenever, like, <laughs> a lot of that came out, like, with his that person's situation, I was like, wait, what? Because that person was actually not even on the ship whenever all of this was going down. Like the the whole investigation was going mm-hmm. down. But anyhow, yeah. Um, so. So you're in okay. the brig for 10 yes. months and then that was definitely an opportunity to clean up. So did you, yeah. Was, okay. Was that? So like, I'll go ahead and explain like the, the in, entering the brig, man, it, 
it was different. I was obviously, it was weird. Um, I'll tell you my first few nights were at absolute hell just because I didn't, I wasn't able to drink. Um, I was dry heaving, throwing up at like nothing. I couldn't sleep. I was literally having cold sweats, going through alcohol withdrawal. It was, it was bad. Like, and there was nothing, I mean, literally, like, like there was nothing that they did for me. I still remember like my first night in there, like throwing up and stuff. And like, none, like, none of the guards even came to check on me. Like, we wow. even walked by the cell until like the next morning. I was like, wow. So um, that was all, that was only alcohol withdrawal though. Right. Yeah. Just alcohol withdrawal. I never did any drugs. Man, you had to be heavily dependent, right? I mean, bro, yeah, least. I was. I mean, I literally could not function without having liquor in my system. Like, I felt weird. Wow. And so, at a certain point, though, I mean, you got through withdrawal, right? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't know how. I, I didn't have a choice. I mean, I was in the brig. <laughs> I had, I had no. I mean, I know like the the that part of the story isn't. I don't have a really end to that. I, well, is there no counseling available or no? I mean, oh yeah, there was. I mean, I went to AA. I mean, that's. Oh, you they, did? Okay, made, yeah, cool. Yeah, they made me go to AA. Like, I mean, that, did, that's required in, in the brig. Like, because everybody was, has I, I was, to go to AA? Um, or some kind of, um, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of the, a lot of the guys did. Is it because alcohol was involved it with your? Been, yeah, it could yeah, either AA or NA. I mean, most of the guys. I mean, it was either alcohol or drugs, some something of that sort. Yeah, and because if, if it was a sexual offense, then a lot of people had to go to like, uh, like a sex sex ed or something like that. I didn't have to take any of those classes, but um, yeah, I did go to AA. Wait a minute. So you were convicted of sexual assault mm -hmm. under the influence of alcohol. And you right. didn't have to go to a sex class, but you did have nope. to go to an alcohol yeah. class. Right. My sentence, I did not get sentenced long enough to have to attend a sex offender class or anything like that. Oh, because it wasn't rape, I guess. Right. I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that. Like, I don't know. I don't want to say it was a specific thing or it because it was whatever it was, but I didn't have to in the break. Could you have benefited from those classes? Possibly. I mean, I'm not going to say no, cause I, but I, I don't know what they offer. So, yeah. But anyway, anyway that's... my mindset is I don't even think, I mean, I honestly, I don't need, I, I don't need AA or I didn't need AA to stop drinking. So it's not like I'm, I went through like the whole 12 steps. Like I was only in the brig for 10 months and I don't even, I think I remember actually attending like maybe two actual AA classes that I actually remember. Oh Yeah. But either way, you know, it closed a chapter, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, you know, there was definitely no looking back at that point. Like, it is what right. it is, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's so cliche to say, and I hate to say that, but it is kind of like identifying that what your, what your situation is right. is clearly what it is. <laughs> like, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I say it all the time, too. I mean, yeah. But it's true. It is what it is. <laughs> and so you get released from the brig. You're clean and sober. Um, now, now, what's the decision? I mean, you're just kind of like thrust into the world, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. You know, so I, cool. I think another thing that we don't, I'm dealing with it now as I transition out of the Navy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm retiring soon. 
uh, you know, and I, I would have done, I would have spent a life in the Navy. Um, but, uh, you know, as I deal with this transition, I'm having to identify that, uh, you know, there is some, I don't want to use, I hate to say like institutionalized, but you know, you get, <laughs> you get used to a certain way of life in the military. You know what oh I mean? Like there's a certain Absolutely. way of life, you know, a certain yes. structure uh, that you get used to. And even in the brig, you know, you get that same structure. Um, yeah. And so now you're, you're tossed into the free world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what's the decision that, where are we going? Like what's our moral compass driving us towards now? Uh, oh man. I mean, I'll tell you the story. I mean, and it's so funny that you say that too, because it, it was a struggle like getting out because of that structure. And I've used that word. I don't like using it either, but I got used to that way of life and having that structure. Um, <laughs> talk about <laughs> So when I first got out, um, I sold cars. I got out in August. I started selling cars September. Did that for about four months started a new uh job this is all I in got, houston Did, was yeah. that the initial okay. instinct was like i'm just going back to home well i mean yeah I, I just i went home oh well here's here's okay well here's something that did happen in the brig that i didn't talk so my dad passed away while i was in the brig oh, okay um i don't think i told you that but no you didn't if i didn't yeah so uh and i'll tell you that story so my dad had his second stroke while i was in the brig and my dad did not know that I was in the brig. He actually thought that I was in Japan. And this is a big part of my story too, um, because I literally could not tell my father why I was going to the brig. And I oh. think that has a lot to do with, because my dad told me one day that if me or any of his sons brought home a guy, he would literally stump a mud hole in them. Mm-hmm. So, that might have answered a question that you might ask like earlier on yeah, <laughs> the mask as to why I, I, why I've suppressed like a lot of feelings that I have, Yeah, I guess, because literally my father died, not knowing where I was yeah. actually fully accepting and understanding you as a human yeah, being. Absolutely. And the crazy part about it is it happened like 12 days after my birthday. Yeah, you know, and I, so, not to not to relive, no, um, it's but okay. I want to talk about it. What is important that I think to point out is, you know, when we when we don't work through our stuff, like you just discussed, was your mm-hmm. your baggage, you know, that you were carrying, you know, for all your life, right, or at least until right. this point. Yeah. You know, when you don't identify them as problems and seek the help you need, or at least have the self awareness to say, okay, well, this is an actual issue you know, that, you know, my, my dad doesn't approve of my bisexuality and therefore, you know, I gotta, I gotta closet this up. Uh, what happens is you make poor decisions and you make a lot of little poor decisions. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's, it's never one major decision where you're like, (laughs) Oh my God, that was the one that got me in the brig. It wasn't, you know, same for me. It wasn't like, Oh my God, there was that one decision. Mm -hmm. Now, now I'm a chief petty officer again. No, you know, it was a lot of little decisions along the way. And, you know, all of that has to do with just dealing with the issues as they arise. Um, but again, that takes maturity and self-awareness. That, yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, a lot of men don't get until their you know, front of cortex developed and they've, they've 
grown enough. But, uh, but yeah, so. Yeah. All right. So back to, uh, okay. After the Navy sold cars. Uh, so I went, I wanted to get into sales recruiting. I loved recruiting. Obviously like I thought about going MSC whenever I got out, I actually started that process, but oh, really love yep. right. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I know you, you understand what I'm talking about. So. Yeah. No, it's um, cool. <laughs> Um, I thought about going, uh, going with military seal of command, uh, kind of started that process, but didn't really, because I was still afraid. I didn't want to put like my bad conduct discharge on their paperwork because obviously they're going to ask if you've been in the military and what your discharge was. So I kind of like scared myself away from that. Um, because I have family, like I have two cousins and an uncle that are all merchant sailors, like they've been doing it their entire lives. Like they love it and they make a lot of money doing it. So um, well, they pay you, and there's a reason why they pay you. Oh, oh yeah, there, yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> De- definitely a reason. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, kind of got away from all that. And so, I stuck to sales. Um, I uh, sold cars. Then I was the manager at Rooms to Go for a couple of years. After that, I wanted to utilize my GI Bill. I said, so, I ended up leaving Rooms to Go. Used my GI Bill, went to the Art Institute for about a year, went to culinary school, literally realized that I love cooking, I love food, I'm passionate about it, but I don't want to cook in the commercial kitchen. I couldn't take the heat, so I got out of the kitchen Yeah, and uh, <laughs> went back into uh, sales after that, went, to, went into uh, apartment leasing. Real estate is something that I've always wanted to do ever since before I... Uh, even before I joined the military, I was like, I want to get into real estate. So I started that by being a leasing agent at an apartment complex. Um, and while I was working at that job, I was actually introduced to um, a personal development and leadership course based on emotional intelligence by one of my really good friends, uh, Sean Marshall, that I was on my very first ship with. Um, big brother Sean is what I call him <laughs> so awesome uh, he introduced me to uh, Choice Center Leadership University um, so while I was working at the apartment complex I had started going through Choice Center Leadership University uh, you'll be able to look it up um, I guess in the show notes right yeah I'll put a link to it yep. okay awesome um, based on emotional intelligence personal growth uh, literally, uh, Harvard Business Review did an article on them um, saying it's the like emotional intelligence is the best way for personal growth in all aspects of life. Man, I agree uh, with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge believer in it. I love studying it. I'm glad that I went through. Um, so I went through the training, went through uh, discovery breakthrough, and then a 90 day run of where you set three goals and you're coached by um, you're in a small group. Um, we have a, a coach and you know, you're, you call it your power, we call it your power group and you, uh, pretty much it's a, it's an accountability group, um, for you achieving these three goals that you have set for yourself over the 90 days. Um, what were, the, best, um, what were those three goals for you? Um, I, uh, so one of them was a weight loss goal. I had like a particular weight loss goal. I think I wanted to lose like 20 pounds, 15, uh, it wasn't 20 because that 90 days, that was a lot. I think it was like 15, 10 to 15 pounds. Um, I wanted to save a certain amount of money. 
And then, um, God, what was my third one? Oh, yeah, I wanted to make a certain rank in the uh, network marketing company. That was it. Okay. And I met, I actually achieved two of the three goals. So. So would you describe that as like a life-changing experience? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, was, is it because professionally you're able to, you know, to explore new opportunities and, as an entrepreneur or is it because you've done the personal growth? Like what was the better benefit, uh, the personal growth in yourself or being able to apply it to business? Um, I think the personal growth within myself, honestly. Yeah. What does uh, that yeah. what does that look like? I mean, what was the personal growth you got? Oh, from oh, from the from the course? Mm-hmm. Oh, literally okay. Um really finding out oh, man, it's it's hard to explain. <laughs> really yeah. finding out Go to the course, of, right? <laughs> right, yeah. I mean you would have to, like I mean, because it's different for everybody. You're gonna learn things about like learning things about myself that I didn't know, I guess you can say. And really honing in on why I do some of the things that I do, why I think the way I think, why certain things make me feel the way they do. And I mean, it all has to go back. I mean, like you go through so many different exercises. Yeah. I mean, starting from childhood, because I mean, we can get into this topic. I mean, you know, what do they say? Like, um, all of our behaviors are, are pretty much learned by the time we're what, like seven or something like that. Oh. Yeah, I don't know about that, but so, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Certain behaviors, they say certain things. I, I don't know. And it's a really young age that they say that, like, certain behaviors are learned by this time. Like, you, like, even when you're in your late 20s, 30s, 40s, or whatever, like, you learn this thing from, like, childhood. Yeah. Or things like that. Um, and it actually, like, I mean, it helps, like, open up those, or I guess, become aware of those kinds of things. Well, it's like, um, I don't know Helps if you've read anything. Awareness. I don't know if you've read anything by Simon Sinek, but, uh, start with why, you know, that's a, that's a good one. Kind of on <laughs> okay. that, on that thread, you know, start with why. Love it. Okay. So I'm actually reading or the audio book. I haven't read to start with why, but, uh, leaders eat last. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I read I'm that so one glad it's, I yeah. know you have. <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah, that's one that we didn't talk about. Um, that I, that I, but I'm reading right now. Yeah. So you do the course. Um, and then after graduating, now you got this new yeah. self-awareness. You got this new. Um, uh, absolutely. So I decided that I w actually wanted to give back. And so all the coaching through Choice Center Leadership University is voluntary. So I ended up moving uh, from Houston when I was, I ended up quitting my leasing agent job um, and moving to San Diego while I was still going through the training. Hmm. And with with my buddy Sean that introduced me to the training and uh from there while I was staying with him I was like okay whenever I graduate I want a chance to coach like I want to staff like the next class going through so uh I ended up staying with somebody in Vegas one of my friends that had gone through the class after I did like she was in the class behind me and so she had an ex extra room that she wasn't using so she allowed me to stay and so I got a chance to coach and uh, help a group of awesome individuals through their 90-day goals and it was phenomenal and I'm ready to do it again actually 
I just yeah, need to I see <laughs> get this the time, all the time because you got to make trips back and forth to go uh, to take care of this these trainings. I'm actually uh, I'm giving a talk. Actually, I'm giving two talks uh, on a ship tomorrow. Uh-huh. And, uh, it reminds me, like when people ask me about, it, I'm like, man, you know, it's hard to call it service because you know it's so rewarding for me. <laughs> like, right. you know, yeah, just giving something back uh, with no. I mean, dude, I don't get paid for it. Uh, right. I, I mean, I, you know, it, eventually, if something, some of these soft skills that I have uh, can benefit me to where I don't have to, you know, wear a hard hat to work every day, that would be great. But however, <laughs> you know, in the interim, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for just being of service. Um, you know, it's very good not only for others but for yourself. Um, yeah, absolutely. So. After the after the class, then you kind of got on the entrepreneur kick for a while, right? Yeah, um, I mean, so I, I actually kind of been on the entrepreneur kick for for a while. I mean, ever since two thousand and nine, when I was introduced to network marketing, yeah, that whole personal development thing, like, really attracted me. I mean, because I got to be introduced to like great mentors, like you know Tony Robbins and Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, like these iconic philosophers. <laughs> Uh, yeah. guys like I mean and just started listening to them and man I'm just like I, I just started eating it all up um, dude so I'll, yeah. I'll send you a link okay. I'm actually uh, I'm gonna be quoted in uh, Zig Ziglar's uh, upcoming uh, podcast yeah dude come on I'll send you a link yeah oh that's great anyway that's awesome <laughs> go ahead <laughs> we're gonna have wait that's now we're gonna have to talk about that offline because I want to know how you did that because I would be quoted in the Zig Ziglar podcast <laughs> yeah I don't know man Oh God, I love it. Strange That's things so happen, cool. I guess. Congratulations, Some... man. You deserve it. Nah, I don't know. Yeah. Bro. If you didn't, you wouldn't be getting it. <laughs> every once in, every once in a while I have a good idea, but yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Okay, anyway, I'll, so... I'll send you a link offline to the well yeah. when it when it posts, I'll I'll drop okay. a link for you. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, yeah, I'll I follow Zig as well, obviously. But yeah. oh, shit. oh yeah, Zig's amazing. Um, so, so you've been in the entrepreneur thing for a while and then you started your own business now, right? I mean, yeah. So I've actually started a CBD company, mm-hmm. cannabis, like in the cannabis arena. Sure. Um, um, I love CBD. I like, I like the benefit of it. I believe in it. Um, a quick story for me, I have, my mom has a sister. Um, actually my mom's whole family, my mom's side of the family has a history of cancer. Um, my mom is the baby of seven girls. Four of them have passed away from cancer. Her mom had passed away from cancer and her dad. So both my grandparents on my mom's side and all of her sisters have all passed away from cancer. Um, so I have one aunt, my mom has one sister that is a nurse and she's been diagnosed with cancer twice. She's never done chemotherapy, but she is a marijuana user and she takes CBD on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And is, this, like, is this in okay. Houston? Yeah, she's yeah. yeah, she's here in Houston. And um, so what's the what's the regulation like? So marijuana is not legal here mm-hmm. in Houston. However, CBD is. CBD is legal. Uh, as long as it has point <laughs> less than 0.3% THC or 0.3% or less mm-hmm. of THC mm-hmm. in it, then it's legal across the United States actually. Yeah. And so do you see the, uh, I mean, obviously I think 
I think most people listening to this would understand the benefits of CBE. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the better conversation, uh, I honestly don't know that we really need to, in this conversation, sell the benefits of CBD. Uh, uh, I would caution anybody that listens to this that's on active duty. Uh, it It is like, you know, because there is a risk Correct. of Absolutely. a level of THC that, or anybody mm-hmm. that, you know, but eventually, uh, don't, do you see uh, your business model moving into marijuana distribution as well because of legalization? Absolutely. That's, that's, that is the goal. Yeah. Yes. Once it is legal um, here in this great state of Texas, yes, I do plan on growing into the marijuana business. You know, Virginia, uh, actually just last night, uh, mm-hmm. the House uh, passed several bills, a few of which I'm not very happy about that have to do with my Second Amendment. Uh, oh, but, oh uh, yeah. Uh-oh. They try, they try to take some firearms. I'm, I'm a pretty free thinker, man. So I don't, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't, I don't swing Republican or Democrat. I, I just yeah. like, I like my freedom. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing they did pass on that was, uh, I think it's if it's less than an ounce of marijuana, it would be completely right. legal. Uh, oh. So, mm-hmm. and if Virginia's doing that, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. I don't see how it's not going to be a good, uh, I don't see how it's not going to be legal uh, right. federally eventually. So that's probably yeah, a pretty good absolutely. business model, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. And here, I'll, I'll even say this though. I mean, here in Harris County, Houston, anything mm-hmm. under four ounces is like nothing. Like you're not even, you might get a ticket. Dude, <laughs> I wish it was like that when I was in high school. That would have changed things drastically. <laughs> see, see that's so funny too because because see, I'm I was like the total opposite. Like I never, ever, I didn't even like marijuana when I was younger. Like my cousin made me smoke one time, and I was like, I hate this. This yeah. is horrible. I like I remember one time I had got, I had a really I don't know what, I don't know if it was laced with something or whatever, but I freaked out when I smoked one time. And I was like, I will. I, I was like, God, I promise I'll never smoke weed again. <laughs> you know, I think I think that's why another reason why it should be legalized. Um, you know, I, I personally will never uh, use marijuana again. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just not. I, I don't. I don't have a. It, it's just personally not for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely think that it can benefit a lot of people, and I definitely oh, think yeah. it should be legal. Uh, but I think, kind of like with firearms, not to get too political, but you know, my opinion is once we start making all these regulations on things, you know, yeah. uh, what ends up happening or not regulations. I mean, regulations are good, I guess, for uh, law buying citizens, but if we're going to ban uh, marijuana and firearms, you know, the quality, or if we're talking about marijuana specifically, the quality, you know, you don't know what you're getting, right? If you're yeah. still going to continue to use, you know, you're not going to be able to get that. So who knows what you, smoked back then you know what i mean compared to the right. quality of the what you know, yeah and what's out there now yeah right absolutely. yeah yeah totally different experience um yeah it is because what i have now great stuff i love it <laughs> so that's that's a good conversation you know so like for me yeah. uh i gotta say i my only experience was some stuff in high school you know that is hey it's all in on my records <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> I had a marijuana drug usage waiver to join the military. Uh, so you were honest with your recruiter. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't like it though. Yeah. Oh, he was, was like, like, shut oh, so up. Was like, he, yeah. 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 
I can tell stories about that too. Sometimes I told people to shut their mouth. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, for you, um, you don't, so you had that dependence on alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, obviously some poor decisions, uh, under the influence of alcohol Mm -hmm. and then coming out, you know, you, you quit drinking you quit smoking and then, now, are, you are a daily user of marijuana? Or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, daily. And how does that impact, uh, you know, what are the benefits? What are, are, is there any drawback for that for you? Um, for me, no. Like, honestly, like, okay. So I'll say it wasn't always like it is now because when I first started using, like, I would only smoke at night. And that was like after I got off of work when I wanted to relax. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, literally, like, I'd say maybe over the past year, like, I've started, like, using it, like, during the day a little bit more, and then finding strands that don't make me sleepy. Oh, okay. Like, I literally, like, will smoke, like, half of a joint before I work out in the morning. Oh, really? Like, me and my roommate, like, yeah, because it gives it, and it helps us work out longer, too, like, the other day, like that video that I posted when I, the, the one that I, the last video that I posted when I was doing those like push-ups, like with the, with the dumbbells, mm-hmm. like crawling, mm-hmm. like that was a two hour workout. That was just like five seconds of it. Yeah. Like we literally like smoked a joint and worked out outside at the pool for two hours. It was so, ridiculous. And so I was just like, wow. Yeah. So you definitely have uh, with so like for me, it's all about, uh, you know, you gotta have a purpose driven life. Right. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I don't know that that needs to be forever. Right. So at a certain point, mm-hmm. in fact, my wife and I have talked about this. She's like, okay, so you know, you're going to do the military thing. You're going to retire from that. And then you're going to do your other thing for another 10 or 15 years. And, right. you know, and then what? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's go like get a bed and breakfast or you know, yeah. own some right. storage units. Like at that point, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't need to have such, um, I don't know, but it, I, I do think there is a qualitative, you need to have some purpose, right? So oh, yeah. that, I think that's what a lot of transitioning, you know, veterans have issue with is like they have this drive mm-hmm. and they have this automatic purpose just from wearing the flag on their uniform every day. Right. And so yeah. for right now, you're passionate about, you know, CBD uh, right. and, and marijuana, and that's going to be your business. Right. Is that a forever business for you? And that's something you're passionate um, about? Honestly, like, I mean, that, that is, that, that's going to be what it is for now. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, what, I, I mean, I want to invest. I mean, I don't want to just, so what, what we're working on now is an actual brick and mortar store, but do I want right. to do that for the rest of my life? No, absolutely not. Um, so what does that look like? Like, uh, what is that thing? Oh man. Uh, multiple businesses, <laughs> honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. real estate, um, I'm actually starting a podcast. I'm really, really focused on this as well. Uh, so my podcast is called Lion's Den and I actually came up with the slogan. I like, I find, I figured out how to explain it <laughs> in a few simple words. So, uh, the podcast is going to be about business lifestyle and philosophy with a mm. little bit of controversy. Yeah. So that's my slogan, business lifestyle and philosophy with a little bit of controversy. Cause you gotta have, gotta, gotta <laughs> spice things up every now and again. And uh, that's why kind of kind of doing a little bit um, of 
kind of like what you're doing. We'll, I'll be doing interviews as well. And then I'm going to have a co-host and we'll be having like different like conversation topics that we want to talk about. Like, yeah. I guess when I, when I say solo episodes, I, I mean without an actual interview. But yeah, so. Right, yeah. Or it'll just be us talking about things. I, I won't give you a ton of advice because I've only been doing it since July, but I will just say that uh, like with anything you've ever done in your life with practice, mm -hmm. it gets better. Oh <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. You yeah. know, with, with anything you do. So uh, the only advice I would give to you would be the same advice I would give you for anything you're starting, you know, like the place to start is right here and right now, you know. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't know. I mean, my audience now is at, I think I've got to the, like, I don't know, almost 4k um but but yeah but i mean honestly it's um you know that's humbling and that's great but you know yeah it was still cool when like 15 people exactly. downloaded it oh, yeah. <laughs> downloaded yeah, an episode absolutely. and like it, it helped them in some way you know so yeah. you know I, the other the other thing i'd say is uh the best advice someone gave me because i reached out to a few people that have some pretty good podcasts and yeah they were like uh yeah, man, if you, if you're doing a podcast to get rich and famous, like, just don't do it. <laughs> no, no, not at <laughs> like, all. If you're trying to make a ton of money doing a podcast, uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not the route. Yeah. No, I mean, it's something that I've, uh, actually my roommate actually, uh, and my co-host, he, we were talking about it the other day. Um, he asked me if I would ever want to act and I told him no, because I was like, I'm doing what I want to do in that arena in a podcast because I don't want to follow a script. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I say, no, I don't, I, I don't ever want to act. I was like, if I'm ever on TV, it's probably going to be YouTube. Oh, like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, even if the opportunity comes up, like, I mean, cause him and I have, you know, a, other business ideas, like not just this, not just the CBD store. I mean, there's real estate things we're, we want to invest in. Um, like I literally, my end goal is literally to be chilling, like travel the world on my time and my dime because mm -hmm. the Navy has brought me to some amazing places that I really want to go back to, yeah. uh, on my own time, like, and do what I want to do without the restriction. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's my end goal is literally like, I mean, to enjoy my life and travel and just literally like be happy and not focus so much on what I am like, Oh, well, what do you do type mm -hmm. thing? But literally just living life, man. Like literally I took my job off of like off of Facebook and I put creator of my, my own happiness. Cause that's what I am. I get to create my own happiness, like not a job, not the military, not, not my, not my ex-wife, not my mom, not my brother, not my sister, not my best friend, me. I am 100% responsible for Jamar Dwayne Perry's happiness and fulfillment. And that's what I'm focusing on. So like, it, yeah, there are things that I'm doing, but I'll tell you this, like this is the least amount of money that I've ever had in my life. And this is the happiest that I've ever been. Yeah. Because you can, you can attest, how much money were we making as E6 is married in San Diego? Like that, I was making pretty good money. Bro. Yeah, my yeah, housing I mean, allowance was over two grand alone. Yeah, yeah, like, I was comfortable. Sure, I was doing great. I thought I thought it was great money. 
I'm not making anywhere near that right now. And I'm so happy. Like, I've like kind of become like almost a minimalist, if you will. Mm -hmm. If if people saw the way I'm living, like they would probably judge. Like, I mean, my bed, literally, my king size bed is like on the floor, bro. Like on, on, on the box spring. I've never, never, ever in my life would have been okay with that before, ever. And it's not that I'm living bad. Like, I'm great. Like everything. I mean, I don't have to, I'm not worried about anything. My bills are paid. I got food, all that good stuff. I'm not struggling. Right. But I'm just saying I'm not balling out of control, but I'm literally like, even my, my Instagram, like people will say, Oh, well you're faking it. No, like I'm literally that freaking happy. Well, like, you're, you're a human being, not a human being, right? Yeah. So. Come on. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, all those things are things you're doing, not, yeah, you know, yeah. not, uh, not what you are, it's who you are. Well, yeah, absolutely. So that's, I mean, that's really where I'm at in life, man. I'm happy. <laughs> hey, man, that's probably a good place. Um, it, I, I'd like to ask you one more question. Um, absolutely. Before I do that, um, I just want to take a minute. Um, first of all, to the listener, um, you know, I appreciate the listener's time in, in, uh, in hearing your story because I think uh, there are going to be some people that listen to this podcast that are going to say, Hey Jeff, you know, why'd you have that guy on? You know? Yeah. And I think there's a lesson here that I would like to share is that everyone deserves that road to redemption. You know, uh, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has, um, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, or whether you've gone through, uh, you know, you've done the work, everyone has something in their past uh, that they have to work through. And so I, I appreciate you, you know, sharing your story vulnerably. And to the listener, you know, I appreciate you listening with an open mind. Uh, so, you know, Jamar, for you, man, I, I appreciate you, you know, and it's been very inspirational for me to see how you've developed and grown, you know, from, you know, all the adversity you've had to deal with in your childhood and maybe and, uh, moving on, man. So I just want to take a minute to acknowledge you and uh, I appreciate you, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's been honestly an honor, Jeff. Like, seriously, this couldn't have been done any better. Like this honestly was, was, I mean, obviously if it, this was meant to happen, obviously, cause it just did. So yeah, man. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you and man, just being able to have this conversation with you means the world to me. And I appreciate it. I, I want to acknowledge you for that. Yeah, and thank so. you for doing what you're doing with your podcast, bro. Absolutely. Keep it cause it's, you're, you're still an inspiration. man. You always have been. And, <laughs> always will be bro seriously hey it's a you. it's a constant evolution right yes sir <laughs> yeah buddy <laughs> all right man so uh final question um yes sir and you got to listen carefully i try not to be as long-winded but it's hard to explain but this this is something that's really been important to me is i've uh gotten into philosophy and just read a lot of books and thought about the way i was living my life and um so I think for a lot of my life, I focused on what kind of legacy I was going to leave behind and, uh, you know, what, what, dr- what drove that 
desire to have such a, a great legacy was worried about my reputation. And so I was so focused on my reputation that sometimes my character was not necessarily uh, in line with my value system. So if you work it backwards, right, like you have your core value system that feeds into your, you know, the decisions you make that build your character, Absolutely. which builds into your reputation and your legacy, right? So the takeaway is that if you worried less about your legacy and your reputation and worried more about your character that's driven by your own value system, I think you would not only live a happier life, but people around you would be more inspired, more happy, uh, feed more off of you and get more, you know, it'd be mutually beneficial, right? Absolutely. So all that being said, which is very long winded and I apologize for that, but, uh, you know, my question is if, if you were to, if you were to have, let's say I, I write, I got a book of notes here that I'm writing stuff down as we talk. And if I were to write here on this, this book, you know, okay, Jamar Wayne Perry character colon, and then I'm going to block out like a few line items for what I'm going to describe your character, but I'm not going to post it on Instagram. It's not going to be in the show notes for the podcast. Nobody's ever going to read it. It's just going to stay here in this book at my house. I'm going to put it on the shelf and you'll never get to read it. Right. Mm-hmm what would you hope those that, 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 what would you hope that I wrote down? You know, how would you hope others would describe your character if you were to never know what they said? One thing that I just want any and everybody to, to feel about me is positive energy. I want people, if there was anybody to say anything about me, I want them to say, I felt good when I was around him. And the energy, like the positive energy, just, yeah. And, then, and that's what I mean by feeling good. Like the, oh man, I, it's hard for me to explain to, <laughs> I hope you're getting this, but I don't, oh man. It's hard I for think, me to put into words. I think people do get that, you know, I think, um, you know, I don't know that positive energy is a character trait, but definitely your character not, feeds into the positive energy that you have. Right. So, Yeah. Oh. You can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, not a specific character. Man, I just want people to feel good when they're around me, man. I just want good vibes, a good <laughs> feeling. Seriously, that's it. <laughs> that's all I want. Good vibes. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Hey, uh, again, I appreciate your time. Uh, Absolutely. I, I appreciate you coming on here and being extremely vulnerable. Uh, yes, you know, it takes a lot of courage uh, in that you know, that doesn't fall lightly on me. So, uh, if anybody wants to connect with you, I will, uh, I will put the, uh, the link to your Instagram. Awesome. And, uh, I will also put a link to the, uh, university. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Kind of the life changing experience for you after the Navy. Yes, sir. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Man, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been great. Great All catching right. up, man. Awesome. All right, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Yes, Out sir. Here. Talk to you soon.